0: Our scripture reading today is found in one of the most beloved portions of scripture, in John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it through him. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Well, it is a good morning to be at Lake Avenue Church. Amen? Amen? I woke up for three reasons. I was excited. One, anytime we have an intergenerational all-church worship service, it just, it, just, it just makes me so full. And if it doesn't make you full, I, just a warning, this is what eternity will be like. So get ready all ages together, worshiping God. So I'm thrilled that our kids are with us. I know we have most of them at nine, but for the kids who are here, can we celebrate them and thank them for being here? (laughs) Second reason I'm excited this morning is what you've heard so much about, uh, that we are launching this Our Shared Faith series. And I want you to know, we have worked long and hard to make sure that this is much more than just a sermon series. Uh, This is something that hopefully, especially today, you will feel uh, like a journey is beginning. A journey for you and with your community and with us as the larger community of Lake Avenue Church. There's a lot of excitement. It's been a long time since we've had one thing that we're all focusing on, from the youngest to the oldest, and so I'm thrilled for that. But the other reason I'm excited today is because 12 years ago, on an equally hot day, in the Lake Avenue Chapel... Um, I got married to my incredible wife. Yes. <laughs> so we're totally not seeing each other all day today, but it's going to be great. And um, it was so hot at our wedding. We, You know, you go to weddings and they tell you people will pass out. We literally had a bridesmaid just pass out because the AC wasn't working in the chapel. So thank you for the upgrades to the AC a few years ago, Lake Avenue Church. My wedding would have been better. Um, well, here we go. Uh, I tell you, this week's been exciting. I feel like after this week of thinking about how do you prepare a message for the first grader to the hundred and first grader, how do we do that? I think I'm, I'm eligible now to uh, apply to work at Pixar because I think they're about the only other business that is in the business of the church, what the church should be in. How do you come together across ages and put a, a, put a meaningful message together where everybody connects to something? And and all can leave encouraged and felt like that was just for you. So this morning, I am thankful for the opportunity to speak to our youngest and to our oldest and to get us started. I'm just going to ask you to do something we don't normally do and, and talk during this time. I want you to think about for a moment and share with your neighbor. It will be 30 seconds. You'll be fine. What's one of the best gifts you have ever received? Now, if you're tempted to say, Jesus is the best gift I've ever gotten in my life, You're right, but that's not the exercise right now. It needs to be a physical object that somebody, and we're going to get to it, I promise you, it's all going to be about Jesus as the gift. But right now, turn to your neighbor, what's a great memorable present you've received. Ready? Go. All right, good, good, just wanted to get your, uh, your mental muscles working, thinking about presents, and I'm going to share with you, and this might seem like a joke, but I'm going to share with you literally the best present I've ever received. Jeremy, can you help me? <laughs> this is my, my KitchenAid mixer, and you may think, especially on my anniversary, you were so happy to get married so that you could get a KitchenAid, because that's when you normally get these things. Oh, no. No, I got this when I was 18 years old, because I love to cook. You may not know that about me, that um, many years ago, we were, at, we were married about a year. I was at the crossroads. We were serving at Forest Home, part of Lake Avenue Church, and I didn't know if ministry was sp- what we were supposed to do long term. So on the same day, Jenny and I toured Fuller Seminary, and we toured the culinary school in town. And when we toured the Fuller Culinary School, we're on the walking tour with the tour guide, and the tour guide says to me, so you already have your bachelor's degree? And I said, yeah, yeah, I've got bachelor's degrees. I can accept you right here, right now. All we need is a down payment for tuition, and you, you can start culinary school tomorrow. Well, that, that freaked us out a little bit, so we went to seminary um, instead. <laughs> Plus, it was like $40,000, and seminary is that, but over time. So, um <laughs> So it worked out. But but no, this KitchenAid, I grew up, and before Food Network, Cooking Network, all the cooking shows, before that was a thing, I remember spending a lot of Saturdays and a lot of evenings searching for PBS and looking for any cooking show I could find. In fact, my mom tells the stories about when I was sick in middle school that she would come home at lunch to check on me, and I would be watching TV and cooking and making recipes. It was an excuse. So, so as someone who watched food, uh, cooking shows, and, and recipes this whole life, there's so many times watching these shows where all of a sudden you need one of these things to do what they're telling you to do. So for years, for many years, I would, I would see a recipe or see something on television and be inspired to make what I saw, but I didn't have the equipment. And so I would try to, to do egg whites by hand, or I would try to do something that the KitchenAid does in about 10 seconds, I would, and I would just fail time and time again. And often I find myself frustrated. So when my dad, who is a good gift giver at times, came on Christmas, my 18th year, with this gift, it changed everything. I mean, literally, Christmas Day, I'm running to the store, (laughs) and I go buy egg whites, and I'm buying heavy cream, and I'm buying all these things that I've watched for years, this KitchenAid do, I want to do it. I want it to experience it. And, and it changed everything. Where all these attempts to make these recipes were ending in failure, all of a sudden, because of this gift, I was able to do, and I was able to be the kind of cook that I always wanted to be. Friends, in John 3:16 and 17, we have a famous scripture, a famous scripture that comes in, and really, what it is, is is the best gift that's ever been given. See, without John 3.16 in there, I mean, there's other time, places in Scripture, but the heart behind it is that you and I, as we go about trying to live life, as we live the kind of life that God calls us to live, as we try to be holy and we try to please Him, oftentimes we end in failure and it's futile. And then there's this present that comes into our life. There's this gift. There's this good news. There's this gospel. With uh, This gift of Jesus. And when Jesus comes in, all of a sudden, all things are made new. All the failure, all the futility, all the endless attempts of trying to make life work, all of that is erased. And through this gift of Jesus Christ, you and I are able to live the life we were always intended to live. You and I are able to have the relationship with God that we were always intended to have. See, a good gift does that. A good gift meets a need that either we know we need filled or a good gift is something that enhances our life that we never knew was possible. And I'll suggest to you that this morning what we're going to talk about is Jesus is that kind of gift. Jesus is the kind of gift that once He comes into our lives, everything changes. Everything changes. This gift is the good news. That good news is called the gospel. God has given us His Son, Jesus Christ, We're no longer defined by our failure, by death, or by shame. And the gift of Jesus allows us to live the kind of life we were always intended to live. So today, I want to explore the gift with you. I want us to look at the gift of Jesus and this good news and this gospel as three different kinds of gifts that come. So I ask for you to to stay with us on this journey. First, the gospel, the good news, is a gift of love. In John 3.16, it starts out, famous scripture, most of you know, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Friends, this gift of love is the foundation of everything that we believe. The foundation in our preamble, the foundation of our faith, centers on the idea and the truth that God loves us. And that God loves the world, as John 3.16. Now, that's a little bit of a shift, If you're Old Testament people, you know that God God had a particular group of people He really loved. And He chose this group of people to demonstrate who He is and how He wants people to live in His world. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and this love is no longer just for one group of people. It's for the world. You can't read the Scripture. You, You can't understand the Bible without picking up on this theme of that it's God's love that is the starting point, that is the foundation of everything that we believe. Romans 5.8, but God shows His love for us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. 1 John 4, nine, in this the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent His Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the appropriation for our sins. And it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This gift of Jesus, the center of our faith, the foundation of what we believe is all about love. But there's a bit of a problem with the word love. Right, You and I live at a time where love has kind of lost some oomph. It's lost some meaning. Because I could, I could, and this would be a legitimate conversation today. You could find me at 2 o'clock today, and if I had a great lunch, it would be fully acceptable for me to say, I, had a, I loved my hamburger today. Right? And, and when I got home last night from church and I watched all the local football games, I really loved the results of those games yesterday, Gil. And then when I went to see my children, I told them I loved them. And then we've come into this place and we sing songs and declare that we love God. Friends, love can be as generic as a hamburger and as meaningful as the affection that God has for us. And I would suggest to you that I believe... That because love can be so generic that times when we talk about God loving us and us loving God, sometimes that, the depth of what that means misses us. I also suggest that when we talk about God being a loving Father that so many of us have trouble with that. Because the truth is, in our own life, we've never experienced that kind of love. And that our fathers, even on this earth, have hurt us or have been absent or we don't even know who who've expressed the opposite of love. So 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 often love is can be as generic as how I feel about what I ate, and it can be as far off as something we've never experienced. And I was having trouble this week trying to how can I add words to love? How can I make what what this foundation of our faith, this gift of love, how can how can I communicate that in a way where, where we get some language back and I, I just couldn't do it. But but I remembered a video. And there's not a word in this video, but I think it demonstrates what this gift of love is. So we're going to watch it. 1992, Barcelona Olympics. Barcelona Olympics. There was a sprinter, a Derek Redman. And during a preliminary race, he was favored to get a medal. Some of you will remember this. Please watch this video and see what love really looks like. Love meets us in our Failure. Love walks with us when we're down. Love puts its arm around side of us and journeys with us into victory. Love is a fierce defender. Friends, the gift of Jesus, everything we're going to be doing for the next ten weeks together, the foundation of that is the concept, the gift of love. Love. It's also a gift of life. Verse 16 continues and says, That whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The presentation of the good news of God's love offers only two options. Belief or perish. Eternal life or perish. By belief, this idea... Of of an eternal life, a deepening, a widening, an experience of life that that goes beyond the surface or or perish, failure, futility, minimizing the, the beauty of all that can be. Eternal life is not a life that just begins once you and I die. I think sometimes in church, that's kind of what we talk about. And we think of John 3.16 and it's held up at a sporting event and it's this concept that there's heaven and hell on the line and that is completely true. But I'll tell you, Jesus didn't come in the world so that when we died we could really start living. Jesus came into our our lives and into this world uh, so, so that we could have this experience of life, this real way of living called eternal life and it begins right here and right now and it extends into eternity. The gift of Jesus isn't just securing your spot in heaven. The gift of Jesus gives you purpose and meaning and a deepening experience and a way of living that is so good and so different that without it you would be perishing. The gift of Jesus is one that brings life. And when we understand Jesus as this giver of life and this gift of life, perishing is no longer the reality for those of us who believe. So that even when we face death and dying and difficulty, we know it's not the end of the story. And at the end of the story that God redeems all things. And that eternal life has already begun in the here and now. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus is with his disciples and he tells them, he said, some of you aren't even going to have to taste death before you experience the kingdom. Jesus himself declared, there's purpose for your life right now, right here. This isn't about just once you die. I've been blown away this week by, uh, in the last couple weeks, seeing so many of the blogs that I read regularly come back to this one particular man. And I'll admit to you, I, I hadn't really known much about him. A man named Steve Hayner, who was the president of InterVarsity and is currently the president of Columbia Theological Seminary. And he's gotten a, a really... Um, He's got a a terminal diagnosis of pancreatic cancer. And throughout all the different blogs that I read are people paying tribute not just to the way he has lived his life, but how he's living right now in the face of his death. And his daughter wrote a blog this week um, that just to me summarized most beautifully what eternal life is all about. What the perspective should be for those of us who follow Jesus, have accepted this gift of love, and want our lives to be the kind of living that God calls us to, the kind of living that Jesus died for. So in her blog, Emily Wagner, Steve's daughter, says this, My dad is living with terminal cancer that is aggressively eating his abdomen. Cancer is pushing its way into our normal routines. I do laundry and think about questions that I don't have answers to, and my kids watch me cry while I cook. I don't spend a lot of time wondering what God is trying to teach me when life is hard. I don't believe that God has set up my life as if it were a school curriculum that I might pass or fail. But I do think about how this situation fits with what I know about God, and I wonder how it will help to shape my kids' view of the world. I know there are plenty of lessons that I could teach them today, that God redeems all things, God holds all our days in his hands, God is the very best doctor. Mostly, though, I find myself repeating this ever-important truth to my kids and myself. Death hurts because we were made for life. I have set before you life and death, we read in Deuteronomy 30. Choose life. Some would say that choosing life means choosing only to see the positive, looking always for the silver lining. To walk this path is to live in perpetual denial. Following Jesus means choosing to see the truth even when it is painful. Death hurts. Loss causes deep ache. And somehow, in the agony of pain, here it is, we are free to find joy because we can trust that Jesus redeems all things. Jesus reminds us that in Him we are loved and have life forever. That is a reason to sing even on dark days. The path of freedom, I think, is to look death square in the eyes and proclaim, I choose life. Friend, that's, friends, that is eternal living. It's a way of life that has meaning and purpose and mission right here, right now. Meaning when we wake up, we have work to do for God. We have a world that needs to know about this gift of love. We have a world that needs to know about this gift of life. And that brings purpose to our living every day. But that when the shortcomings of this life come and the difficulty comes, that we don't minimize the pain. We don't minimize the experience because the, the very opposite of God is, it, it, of God's eternity is this death, this perishing. But eternal life looks at that in the face and says, That's, this isn't it, that I choose Jesus and I choose that way of living. So we have a gift of love, we have a gift of life, and finally we have the gift of freedom. Verse 17, it says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. We, we see a juxtaposition in verse 17 between condemnation and salvation. And so often, I feel like the, the major narrative that the world thinks about Christians and the world thinks about churches, even a church like Lake Avenue Church, is that Jesus came into this world so that He could, he could add some more guilt on top of everything else. That he came here to to condemn us and to make us feel terrible. Friends, here's the reality. The condemnation was already present before Jesus came. We had chosen a long time ago to to follow ourselves and not God. Jesus didn't come to, to reiterate that. Jesus came to change that. Jesus came to offer himself as a sacrifice for that so that you and I can live differently and that our lives would no longer be defined by words and feelings like guilt and shame and failure. Jesus came into this world to redeem it, to make all things new, to offer his salvation so that we can live in freedom. Jesus is not a manipulative lover. He's not someone who says, you know, all the things I did for you, you better... No, Jesus came freely and said, I love you. And I will offer myself for you so that you can be free. I I remember uh, working with first graders many years ago. It was a day camp situation and these two first grade boys got in in a fight and they were actually punching each other. And so they grabbed two of us and said, you take one and you take the other. So I took this one kid who instigated the whole thing and I'm walking with him and, and I'm, I'm, I'm walking with him and I asked him, I said, so just tell me what happened. And he could not tell me. So for five minutes I found different ways of asking the same question and he just couldn't even look at me, his face was down. Have you ever been around a child who knows they did something wrong? Does it just break your heart to see at the level of shame at which a child will feel? So I realized this approach wasn't working, and I just kept walking with him, and we we did some fun activities, and then eventually, I shared with him about some mistakes I had made when I was his age. And as I was starting to talk about the choices I made in elementary school, and times I've hurt people or been selfish, all of a sudden, he started talking. Now, he wasn't looking yet, but he started talking. And so he told me what he did. He said he punched him and he was angry and that he's a terrible person. And he just he doing all this really tough stuff. And I looked, kept looking at him. He wasn't looking at me. His head was down. I said, you know, buddy, you know this whole week at camp we've been talking about Jesus. We've been singing songs about Jesus. Did you know that Jesus, when Jesus is in our life, all those icky feelings of being guilty and terrible, that those feelings, those feelings aren't the end? That he came in. That's why, that's why Jesus is here. He forgives you. You don't have to be defined by that one mistake. We're going to make lots more mistakes. And as I was telling him about how Jesus fit into his guilt and to his shame, slowly, I'll always remember it, his face came up slowly until he could look at me in the eye. Friends, Jesus, the gift of freedom, is so that you and I no longer have to walk with our heads down. That we can have our eyes lifted Because Jesus has come into this world through his love, offered us life, and that life is a life of freedom. It's a life of freedom from our poor choices. It's a life of freedom from the circumstances that have happened to us. It's a a life that says, I'm no longer defined by guilt and shame. I'm defined by grace and love. The gift of Jesus allows us to keep our head up and to be free. And that's really what the next 10 weeks are all about. And at some level, if you're like me, the idea of a 10 weeks on the statement of faith, I can feel kind of wooden. Kind of, and, and you might think that what we're doing is trying to cram all of our, our brains with good information so that if we got on Jeopardy, we would get some answers right. <laughs> Friends, th- that is the farthest from the intent of this. The intent is this, is that over the next 10 weeks, you and I, would start understanding more the gift of Jesus, this good news. We would view it as a journey. We would view it as an adventure. It's us coming to more, more understanding what is this gift of love? What is this gift of life? What is this gift of freedom? How does this all work out? What is, how does the Trinity fit into my life? What is eternity really about? It's really us playing with the present of Jesus together. You would tell me it would be silly if when I got this KitchenAid mixer... I said, I'm so glad I have this mixer. I'm going to keep it in a box and I'm going to put it in the closet and I'm never going to use it. You'd also tell me it's pretty silly if I got the mixer and said, oh good, Um, egg whites and, and whipped cream. That's what I know I can do with it. And I spent the next 30 years only using the mixer for egg whites and whipped cream. Friends, I'm afraid sometimes our faith is kind of like that. It's kind of like we we meet Jesus at one point and part of who Jesus is really captivates us. We really understand this, maybe this idea of love. But if the truth was told, we haven't grown in our understanding of that love and it's like we take the mixer and put it in the closet and go, I'm really glad I have that, but I don't need to do anything with it. Or for some of us, we've been around this so long, faith and church and Jesus and even theology, that that we've got the same five recipes that we know. We know. In fact, we know them so well, we don't even have to read them anymore. It's all by brain. And we get angry sometimes when other people start suggesting, maybe, have you thought about it this way? Because it's maybe a tweak of a recipe or it's something new. God is doing something new in this world. The, the, the idea of the next 10 weeks is understanding what are the most essential, important things. What And to understand it. And there's going to be times over the next 10 weeks where if you're like me, it's going to be Confusing. There's going to be times over the next 10 weeks where I pray that you experience freedom in ways you haven't in a long time. What do you mean God is like that? Well, that speaks to my life this way. And I'm just praying that there's new recipes that come alive for you. This is not 10 weeks of intellectual knowledge. This is 10 weeks of, of journeying together, adventuring together, understanding the gift, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ So that it can be more fully understood, more fully appreciated. This gift of love, of life, of freedom, and of so many more things. Friends, you're invited. You're invited not just to be really good Sunday and Saturday attenders to get all the sermons, because the sermons are just going to touch a little bit of it. We've got the daily devotions, we have small group curriculum, we have Lake U. It is what we are about this fall, and I want to invite you into this 10-week journey together so that we can understand this gift, this good news, this gospel in new ways together. Join me in prayer. God, help us to jump all in the next many weeks. Help us understand more fully this gospel, this good news, this gift of love, this gift of life, this gift of freedom. I pray for those in this room who've never experienced that kind of love, who haven't experienced a a way of living that has purpose and meaning right here, right now. I pray for people in this room who are living in guilt and shame. God, I pray that they would unwrap the gift of Jesus in their lives, that they would fully understand you as a loving God, as a God who comes alongside and gives us life and allows us to live free. Help us, God. Amen. Pastor Greg is going to invite us also.